What up, what up? It's the 2BD Podcast with RT2. I got a very special guest coming up, so stay tuned. And what comes next is to be determined. All right, yo, what's up? You're listening to the 2BD Podcast. That's two, like the number. Listen to Royal 2 right now. I have a very, very special guest, Mr. Aaron Shakur. Yeah, yeah. On the microphone. We in the building. We're going to be talking about some dope stuff. Absolutely. So uh, stay tuned. This is the 2BD Podcast. 2BD. So, Aaron Shakur. What's up, man? What's going on? What's up with you? Everything is everything, man. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Um, I'm honored to be the first guest on here, you know what I'm saying, to speak about various topics, you know what I'm saying? I, I definitely wish you a lot of success on this podcast and hope it goes to, the, you know what I mean, as far as you want to take it, man. Salute. Thank you. That means a lot. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> start off with... The 2BD podcast is about growth and the growth that we experience and go through as we get older in the in our lives mm-hmm. and the stuff that we witness and how we may come back to these things and witness it in a different way. So, um, start off with what is the first thing that you thought you would be doing in this life? What did you want to be when you were a kid? Mm. When I was a kid, I'll be honest, my first love was basketball. I don't know why or how. I think, you know, it's probably genetic, but that really was my first love. That was like my first escape from everything. You know, I go to the basketball court, I would go by myself. I would play in the rain, I would play in the cold. And uh, so naturally, just like a lot of inner city youth, I thought or hoped rather that I would make it into the NBA. So that was my my first dream is that I I would be an NBA basketball player, star, you know what I'm saying? Heavy influence from Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, I could talk about basketball all day, but yeah. I thought I was going to be a basketball player, for sure. Millionaire. <laughs> Mansion. All that all that good shit. And where has life taken you now? What is it that you are doing? Um, well, the reality is I didn't make it to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Stopped growing at 5'10". So hoop dreams was deflated. Didn't go to college, you know what I mean? I I was somebody that kind of jumped off the porch early, so to speak. So I was kind of out there in the real world at a young, young age. Um, So I skipped skipped the college life. Had a couple kids, you know what I mean? So right now where I'm at is I'm still doing well for myself. I don't have a mansion or nothing like that, but I got a nice home. You know what I'm saying? Family, family man doing my music, which is my second passion, which was my second passion, aside from basketball, music has always been a passion of mine, so I'm doing that, you know what I'm saying, able to still find my escape and my creative art and do something I love to do on an independent level, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And um, that's pretty much where I'm at today, man. I'm just doing my thing, providing for my family, and doing what I love to do, more importantly. I'm living my dream, you know what I'm saying, right now. And that's priceless. My, my that's reality, yeah, it's priceless. 
So uh, music has always been a part of the picture. That's always been there with basketball. Yeah, music music was second to basketball. Basketball was first. Music was always definitely right there, though. You know what I'm saying? Music, music hip hop. More specifically, is like a, like a lifestyle for me. You know, it's been that way since I was, since I can remember. So it's just like it's just a part of me. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. might I might still be making music when I'm 90, Lord willing, if I make it to see that age. But it's just you know, right writing music is therapeutic. Expressing myself, expressing yourself, and expressing myself artistically is therapeutic, and it's it's something that I feel like won't go away so when I say that I mean like sometimes people live and die and you forget that they was here you understand so if I can create a body of work musically you know some people do it they write books they're authors and things like that which I want to do too eventually but when I when I can leave behind music that people can still play as I pass on and if I can create music that affects people that people can play when they work out or you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. It, it might affect them in different ways you never know that's the type of thing that I live for. So, the music for me is like a is like a legacy thing, as well. You know what I mean? And that's like as far as music, I feel like that's a very, like, hidden beneath the surface type of therapy that a lot of that we don't really see because with a lot of us in our community, the black community, there's a lot of uh, kids that gravitate towards hip hop, towards the music, towards mm-hmm. making music, all this whatsoever. But besides the fact of just creating the music, there's things that you can tap into with that potential that gets into, like you said, the books, mm-hmm. the writing, the different studies, all of that. That's Absolutely. an avenue that we don't really, I feel like we don't really push towards. That's true. There's a lot of these kids that are interested in these topics and it's just like, no, do something else. But it's not like, there's not enough facilitation and in digging into. I agree. I definitely agree. I mean, a lot of kids in the inner city, they don't know, they don't even know a lot of these different job titles that they are, that's available to them, to be honest. I mean, me being a prime example, when I was coming up, everybody wants to be an athlete, an entertainer. You know, they see, you might even want to be a dope boy because, you know, dope boys in your neighborhood got the, the money, the girls and all that these are things that kid, kids are attracted to flashy things so right. they're gonna they're gonna go towards what they see is successful so if you got a rapper and they like damn he a rapper he got this much money he got this car he live in this house he on TV naturally they're gonna wanna be rappers you got mm-hmm. kids that look at these NBA players they making X amount of millions per year they doing this doing that <clears throat> excuse me they can be seen on TV and popular that's what kids want, you know. You don't see doctors coming around the hood and lawyers and those two. I say those two, but those like cliche to say those two. But it's, it's so many other professions that people could do. Like you could be a dentist, you could be whatever the fuck you want to be, and still live a good life and have a good income. You know what I'm saying? And, right, do, and, and, and do the things you want to do, be fly, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, it's not. It's, there's no examples of that for people. So, like you said, you might want to. Everybody want to be the rapper. They don't know that sometimes the producer might make more money than the rapper, right. or the you know the person that shoot the video. You might be a vid- videographer. <clears throat> These are all things that are creative that that are within the music field. But for some reason, like a lot of inner city kids just want to be rappers. Like it's it's more rappers today than I don't know. <laughs> it's like right. it's like that's what everybody want to do. But like I said, going back to my point, you can't really blame them if that's what's being perceived as 
the only successful right, thing the only that they could do. It's like that's the one. Yeah, that's that's like guy. drilled into their minds. Like you can either rap, you know, be an entertainer, entertainer, or sell drugs or do some shit like that. So it's like you know what I mean. Um, I know, and we come from the same family tree. It's a little different avenues, but um, me being growing up in the burbs and the in the white neighborhoods and whatnot. I don't really know to the extent like how much time growing up you spent in Camden, what that was like for you and like the effect this had on you. Like you said, growing up, you saw um, the route that you wanted to take being basketball and you had idols like Michael Jordan and stuff like that. How long did it take you like growing up to see these idols or these mentors that you see around you in these fields that aren't in the music scene in the sports scene like you asking me if I had idols outside of those things yes like growing up was it mostly um, just that what you saw yeah to be honest I mean like you said coming from Camden I was born in Camden uh, definitely a Camden dude to the core I definitely my mom traveled a lot so I spent a lot of time outside of Camden as well like I moved my first time moving out of Camden I think was I was in second or third grade probably second grade and the first place I moved outside of Camden was Virginia Beach. I lived in Virginia Beach from third grade until I think fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. Uh, moved back to Camden. Then moved from Camden again in ninth grade or maybe 10th grade and moved to Florida. And so, you know what I'm saying? Then I, then I moved back after I graduated. I graduated in Florida, moved back to Camden. <clears throat> so it's always been like a back and forth thing, but you know, Camden is home. But I seen so much coming up. I didn't really have a lot of examples in my life like that. You know, my father was in my life early on, but, you know, circumstances, shit happens, and he wasn't a part of my life. You know, I had a I had a stepfather in my life for a short period of time. He ended up going to prison for bank robbery. Mm. So, you know, I didn't really have a lot of male figures. I used to look up to a lot of my older cousins on my mom's side. And these were street guys, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? These was guys that was doing their thing in the street, and you know, they was they was they was those dudes. So right. I looked up to them, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? And 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 honestly, my uncle Roy, he's like the the the, the male figure that I looked at, like marriage, you know, family. That's Roy one. He's nice home. To. Yeah, yeah, big Roy, big R. He was a guy that I really looked up to, man. It's like. They probably wouldn't. They he don't he, he don't even know what he did for me just by being there for me. You know what I mean? And showing me an example without showing me an example, just just living his life the way he lived it. I got to see what it could be like. You understand? So it's like mm -hmm. I used to go to his house and it just felt like an escape from the shit I was dealing with. You know, always anytime I seen him, he would always give me a few dollars and things like that. You know, little shit that means something to to kids growing up. So. But besides him and a few, a few relatives, I didn't really have too many male role models growing up, you know what I'm saying? So, kind of self-taught a lot of things. Nobody taught me how to ride a bike. Nobody taught me how to fight. Nobody taught me how to tie a tie. You know, these are things I learned later in life right. as I grew up, you know what I'm saying? So, it's like, and this is, this is the reality for a lot of people. So, And like, even to me, we're not that different in like so far different in age but even to me growing up a lot younger in a different era stuff like that 
um, it affected how I came up and grew up in a similar way, but a different way. Because growing up in the suburbs, around um, all these white kids with different backgrounds than me, you don't necessarily relate in the same way. So the way that I learned things, and one, in some ways I internalized things, in other ways I looked to what's all this technology, the internet, all that types of stuff. I feel like I learned a lot through that realm. So it was less about my surroundings and the stuff around me, but through online and stuff like that. Which is dope, though, to be honest, because you could be removed from a certain situation or a certain atmosphere, but still be connected through social media. That's that's the blessing of social media and technology. You know, it's got its gifts and its curses, but... Um, kind of back to my backtrack to my story real quick because I said I, I I spent my core time in Camden, but I did spend time in other states, mm-hmm. Florida and uh, Virginia. So I had a chance to mix in with those crowds. So I, I went to schools where I was a minority, where I was like, you know, it might be five black people in the whole school, and I'm one of them. So what I learned through that journey is what a lot of people from Camden can't really do is adapt. So I can go into a room with all black hood niggas and I can, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm right in the mix and I can go into a, a corporate environment where it's a lot of white people. You might, you know what I mean? A lot of, you might call them big wigs. They might have certain ties there, but, but I can still maneuver in that world too, because I've been, I've been exposed to both sides, you know what I'm saying? From an early age. And I feel like that's a blessing too. You know what I mean? I, I used to look at it as a curse. Like I used to hate the fact that my mom moved so much and you know what I mean? I, I never had a really a stable I never really had a stable upbringing. Right. <clears throat> but later on in life, you know what I'm saying, like everything works its way out. So those same things I used to look down on ended up becoming a blessing and a, and a, and a right. something, those are, something I could, that I could those use. Those environment changes. Yeah, yeah, those are things that I really, I use to this day. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's real. That's something I feel as though is like really just invaluable, like, you bouncing around these environments really prepared you for the world because that's really how this country is, is different environments and being able to adapt to all these rooms and situations. That's something I learned a lot getting out of high school in the county college and the college and just being in these atmospheres with, like, going to college, a lot of these places, it's my first experience with larger sums of black people. Right. I'm used to... Like you said, being three, four, five of us, something like that. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. I know this is your podcast, but let me ask you a question. How did you feel, or how did how did you how was your knowing that you're a black man, and they consider this a white world because it's run by white men? But how did you feel being in the school when you was a, considered a minority in that school, and how did it, how did it affect you? Growing up in high school and like yeah, elementary, just, yeah, yeah, just just growing up in an environment where it's more white than black. How did that? How did that affect you? And, and it your took upbringing? it took time for me to see it, because once I'm born and I grow up in this environment, this is all that I'm used to. As is, I just feel like this is how it is, and you know these little slight microaggressions and these feelings and these things that people that these kids that they're growing up too they may get stuff from their parents and stuff but they're learning and growing up too right right and 
they've never been around black people. This is their first black friend. This is their first experience and stuff like that. All that stuff is was just the normal for me. So then as I got older, it took me a while. And as I started, one, interacting with more black people and seeing stuff on the internet and stuff, mm-hmm. it took me a while to realize, like, oh, this isn't how people interact. This is, they're just, they're either A, afraid, they're B, like, weary of these interactions and stuff. It took me until I got older to realize, like, that's not normal right. type of behavior, you know, and, like, they don't necessarily have your back the way that they're supposed to in certain rooms and stuff like that. I didn't realize that when I was growing up and being in these areas. I didn't get that until I got older. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, do you feel like it was a... Now that you are where you are now, you still got a lot of growing to do, but do you feel like that was uh, something that you could use towards your benefit now? I feel like it's it's definitely prepared me to be in these rooms where... in the other cases these black people that have grown up in either hood atmospheres or even more prosperous black atmospheres where there's just black people in general Mm -hmm. around them Mm -hmm. where they feel a sense of um, community and types of stuff like that and then they get out of these environments they're uncomfortable I start in these environments and I'm not uncomfortable because I'm used to it I can pick up on everything and all this is not new to me. It's not being forced onto me. Gotcha. So then when I, and it's inverse, because then I get into these black environments and it's like, oh, this is, this is really what all the hype's about. This mm-hmm. is really the, the black <laughs> people going to the movies 2018 Wakanda, Black right. Panther type stuff. Right, right. So it's like, it's, it's prepared me for this country and growing up in this world because these are the, this country is 60 something percent white we're what up to 12 13 percent black yeah. so this is it's always gonna be the two three in the room don't say always but we're gonna say oh it's, for, it's, it's been yeah. that way and we you know eventually it'll change but <laughs> yeah that's what they scared of change too. is slow that's what they're afraid of exactly. too. Man. You know, they don't want to lose what they don't want to lose their country, quote unquote. You know, even right. though it's country, country that but they had other people build. Yeah, they don't want to lose that. So, a lot of the, a lot of the shit we see and stem from that. You know what I mean? Right. But um, it's it's definitely prepared me for this world, and I'm thankful for all that my parents have done. To, definitely, to man. To get me through. Hey, yo, your parents have done a great job, man. Like I said, I used to feel like. Uh, Fresh Prince coming to Uncle Phil's house. Man. That's, that's just how I used to feel. And all. Me watching the show, I could relate to that because I'm like, damn. I mean, y'all didn't have a, a super big house like that, but it was like just a kid from the hood escaping and coming to a different environment. And, you know what I'm saying, feeling that love from the family. It was just a dope thing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But, yeah, I'm glad that, I'm glad that, you, that you answered that and, and, and let me know how you, how you felt about that. I always wondered that. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a break We're going to cut it real quick When we come back We're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Shakur and his music career And what's popping with that So stay tuned Alright and we're back at it Part 2 This is the 2BD Podcast With my guest Aaron Shakur And that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you What made you choose the name for your music Aaron Shakur Aaron Shakur, 
Um, Aaron Shakur is a, is a unique name, very unique. I was going for uniqueness. I started rapping, my name used to be Castro. So everybody used to call me Cass. And so in the street, they call me Cass. A lot of people still to this day call me Cass. But I made a conscious decision probably, I would say, maybe two, three years ago to to change my rap name. So like I said, I wanted to pick something unique, and I wanted to pick something not only unique, something that's meaningful. So <clears throat> Aaron already being my first my first name legally, and plus, I don't know too many rappers with the name Aaron. I'm going for uniqueness, so I'm like, all right, I, 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 let me let me stick with my first name. Then my last name, I'm like, because I wanted to have a rap name with two names, like Aaron, blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. I couldn't go with my legal last name because I didn't want to put that on my legacy. Remember, I'm taking it back to music and legacy. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a thing with names, like, it's a, it's a quote from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that says a name is worth more than gold. You know, it's a name, when a man don't got nothing else, he got his name, you understand? So, Thomas being a, Thomas is my legal last name, but with that being a European and an English name, I didn't want a slave name. In other words, I didn't want to put that on my legacy, on my music, you know what I'm saying? So I chose to go with a righteous name, which is Shakur, which means in Arabic it means thankful to God. So if anybody out there didn't know what that name means, that's what it means. So, and Shakur has a deep history here in America. So for the black man in America, when you resonate and when you hear that name Shakur, the first name you might think of is Tupac, obviously. But that name runs even deeper from the person that he got it from, which is his mother, Afeni Shakur. And, uh, Mutulu Shakur is where she got her name from. So Mutulu Shakur was his stepfather and uh, he was a freedom fighter. You know what I'm saying? He was, uh, he's in prison now, you know, revolutionary. You know, they got him in prison on some bullshit. He'd been locked up for probably over 30 years now. You know what I mean? He was with the Black Panthers and you know what I'm saying? He was doing a lot of things. Also part of the Black Liberation Army and things like that. So. This is all back when tensions was high with racism and things like that. So that name Shakur is, is embedded in American history. You know what I'm saying? Afeni Shakur, which is a legendary, that's is Tupac's mom. She's a, a legendary black woman, RIP to her. She was a part of the Panther 21, which if you don't know about the Panther 21, this is a legendary case. I don't know about the Panther 21. Yeah, you know what I mean? You, uh, Google it, anybody that's listening, Google it right after this. You know, this was a, a case in New York where they tried to say the Black Panthers were plotting to uh, blow up a police station. So they were trying to charge these people with, you know, life in prison. I think they was trying to convict them to death. You know, basically, like, this is 20, 21 Black Panthers. So, mm. Afeni Shakur, Tupac's mom, represented herself and the Panther 21 and got them acquitted. Black women. This is this is like this is y'all gotta Google this. This is real shit. This is black power. This is this is the power of the mind. Like she studied, you know what I'm saying, and she represent herself. No lawyer. They try they trying to say that these people plan to bomb a police mm. station. Like this these are serious. Right. And you know at that time they was trying to put them under the jail. 
she represented herself and them and got all of them acquitted, 21 people. So this, like I said, this name Shakur is, is heavy. So I picked that name. It actually came to me because I was going through different names and I'm like, you know, just praying on it and the shit just came to me. You know what I mean? Like, and I just ran with it. So that's what it is, man. Aaron Shakur. So with this theme of uniqueness and with everything that you look to do with your music, what do you, how do you try to stand out from everything else that's out there and all of that? Um, how do you filter yourself through the noise? Yeah, that's that's you know that's a difficult thing to do with music because music is music is art. But you know, if you go into an art gallery, you might not like all the paintings that's in that motherfucker, but you go with the appreciation appreciation of art. Most people, you know what I'm saying? You you go knowing that you might not like everything, but you still appreciate art. Music is a little different. Like people like what they like, but it's more so driven off popularity. So if something sounds good now, everybody want to do it. You know what I'm saying? If it's lucrative now, people can make the most money off a certain sound or whatever the case. Everybody want to do it. Everybody want to sound like this or make a song like this and blah, blah, blah. For me, I'm just trying to make the music that's that resonates with me, music that I will listen to, and music that got some sort of meaning and some sort of, if people could take away something, something from it. You know what I mean? Like, I consider it street, but I also consider it conscious you know what i mean i'm not a conscious rapper and i'm not a all the way gangster rapper but i try to blend those two elements to give people a good oversight and an overview of what's going on like i could speak to the hood i could relate and speak to the hood through this hood music but i could still put some conscious music and some conscious thought-provoking lyrics in there to make people open their eyes and you know subconsciously they digest it while they listening to it and, and not even realizing that they they, you know, you just planted a seed in somebody's mind that they what might not even think about before. So you might have a lyric where you say something, a bar where you say something slick that might be pertaining to a, po a political line or whatever the case. You might shout somebody out. <clears throat> I might shout a revolutionary's name out that nobody heard before, and that might spark somebody's mind to go Google that person and find out. You know what I'm saying? Find right. out what they was about. So it's just little shit like that. But like I said, I still try to just keep my music to what I would listen to. Right. I don't listen to really all the way conscious rappers like that. Like, I love all music, but some music is, some music to me is just you know a little bland. So, I like what I like. You know, everybody got their own personal taste. So, I just try to mix the two. Like, I love artists like, uh, most deaf. Like most deaf to me is a, is a he's a Brooklyn rapper. He been around. He been in the game for a while. If, if nobody listened to this album, listen to, Black on both sides by most death. I listened to that album I was probably in 10th grade and that album was so fucking dope. And people consider him a conscious rapper but he from Brooklyn. Like he from the street. He got a lot of street um, elements in his rap. I mean, he not talking no gun talk or nothing like that but you mm -hmm. can hear the street elements in his raps but he also give you that consciousness too. So, you know what I'm saying? Most death is one of them dudes, man. Uh, he changed his name to Yasin Bey. Um... So I think he's going by Yasin Bay now. But yeah, most definitely, man. Check that Black on Both Sides album, man. That shit is dope. Mm. And a lot of the times, these labels, they only they only exist to hinder or put you into one type of... Like, when you make music, you make music as Aaron Shakur. You don't make music as um, conscious, 
street writer. You know what I mean? Right. It's whatever comes to you, not necessarily what you're going. Like, I feel like that's something that eventually limits you when you start to make stuff to say, okay, I got to make this more this, that, and the... In that box, yeah. Right. Because then that puts you into the box, whether... And it's less about you making stuff that... um, that speaks to you and also speaks to your supporters and the people around you, the stuff that you really want to make. Yeah, that's what I, that's the, that's the beauty in the, about independence that I love, you know what I mean? I love the fact that I can make the music I want to make and put it out when I want to put it out and take my time and, you know what I'm saying? There's just no, I don't have no label pressure, none of that type of shit that people deal with. Yeah, I got to pay for everything myself and press my own CDs up and, you know, do the things that I need to do. Um, on an independent level, but I get to do what I want to do. And that, to me, that freedom is priceless to me, you know what I'm saying? So I would never put myself in a situation unless it's absolutely agreeable and makes all the way perfect sense for me to do it. You know what I mean? I, I would never right. become a slave to the industry, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to definitely continue to do my thing, man. You know what I'm saying? Y'all make sure y'all download my uh, last project I just put out which is called Garden State Gangland it's on all platforms you can type in Aaron Shakur and go download that and I got another project that I'm uh, trying to put out before the year is out so be on the lookout for my next project due to drop in December currently untitled but we working on the title right now so definitely keep y'all updated man for sure yeah, the title is to be determined <laughs> to be determined you see how it look man you see how that works man everything connects like that <laughs> every side of the universe work man 2BD man, my, my next uh my next project album is, is to be determined. So this podcast is dope, man. I'm definitely enjoying the conversation. You know what I mean? And uh let me see. Do I got any questions for you, man? How was how was let me ask you a college question. Since I never went to college. College question. Actually I went to <laughs> actually I went to community college and I <laughs> I dropped out after the first semester, but we ain't gonna talk about that. We gonna talk about your college experience. So how was it how was it being coming from a family, a black family, going to college and then going on campus where I'm sure it, it possibly have been I don't know I don't know the demographic but it may have been more the same in high school where it was like a lot a lot of white people and a minority of black people. But how was that experience from you transitioning from high school to college and what do you feel like you took from that experience because I know this is a long question but a lot of people go to college and they pay all that money mm-hmm. and they don't feel like some people don't feel like they really got nothing from it so how, I mean how do you what do you feel like that transition was like and what did you take from it um, I mean I'll give you the numbers to start off with um, where I went to school high school and all that is a town that's almost 82% white Okay. And then when I went to college, the college that I went to was probably four point something percent black. Okay. So it's very similar to me going me going to high school and all that is very similar to me getting into college. It's similar environments. Okay. But I would say the experiences that I took away from that because one I went from high school to county college and then. Uh, uh, stay away college so the first two years I was still going back and forth between home and school I would say that experience coming from a big 
a really big high school because my high school was almost like 2,000 kids in it. Um, coming from that, going to county college where I'm traveling back and forth, that was an experience that gave me a lot more free time, a lot more time to myself because I go to the classes and then there's not much else to do. It's not like you're on a college campus, like a full campus environment where there's stuff doing all this is really just go to class and leave. I mean, I had soccer that I would play, but it's go to class, go to practice, and then you're back home. So it's, you spend, I would say I spent a lot more time during county college at home than I did all these years when I was going to school, because you go to school eight hours. I would go to college classes for two, three hours a day and then be back home. Back home, So I spent a lot of time, like, I'm a kid of the internet, coming through that a lot of time on the internet watching videos learning stuff through that type of way right, right. and I learned um I mean I was always I was never necessarily like the most outgoing kid so I was always comfortable being by myself but I think th- that added to that and that allowed me to facilitate my own growth and learning and being comfortable being by myself because a lot of people my age aren't comfortable being by themselves and they can't spend too 10 minutes that's very true um very true without some type of entertainment so i think in that realm that helped me a lot and um once i got to four-year uh university and um stayed away with people i feel like i was really like ready for that transition because i had spent those two years at county college so So i was ready to be in that environment and um just be around people and all that types of stuff all the time all of this like to say the growth that I went through with that um was a lot of how I saw the world so all this time that I spent by myself at county college all that I developed a greater worldview and I learned a lot online and watching videos and whether it be political videos or just the news I saw a lot of news what's going on mm-hmm. in the world the world around me the outside of the United States so I learned a lot of that so when I went from county into the four-year school I changed my major because originally I was a criminal justice major Mm, and I wanted to be some sort of detective somewhere in that field but what I learned over this time that I spent was that although it's the criminal justice field the people in that field don't always seek justice for the criminals they seek to punish it's a lot of punishment in that field and the way the system is set up a lot of the times it's set up to build itself up to make this all these financial transactions all this and grow itself by putting people underneath it the business so that's what i saw through those years and that's what started to see me separate myself from that and go further into the way to expose this system and how things are, which brought me into journalism and the mm-hmm. news cycle, the news that I was seeing. I was seeing these people report on these things. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be a part of that, this truth that they're telling. Mm-hmm. And especially at this time was the 2016 election. And I saw a lot of this outcry of information that's false and all this fake news, all mm-hmm. of this being propagated to prop up this clown that we currently have so I think a lot of that brought me into the cycle brought me into the fold and when I started at um when I went away for college that was 
what I was solely excited to get into and I'm still excited to get into this now that I graduated and I have the ability to go to these different organizations, entities and find my footing with that. So that hey, really that's, that's dope, man. That's 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 dope. I want to commend you first and foremost for your for your for your bravery cuz like uh you know, we had a conversation off air and I I, I let you know that truth is always met with opposition. Right. Truth is always met with opposition. So, with that being with that being said, you know you're a seeker of truth. If you're gonna be a deliverer of truth in the journalist field, you know what I'm saying you wanna always research and fact check. And as you deliver this truth, you're gonna be met with opposition for sure. But you know I know you built for it. You know what I'm saying. Uh, we, you know we got we, we, we same bloodline, so I know you're not going shake and quiver, and you're going stand strong on truth. So. Definitely excited for you, man. I, I, I love what you're doing. We definitely need more representation in these type of fields. You know, going back to our conversation earlier with, you know, young kids, you know, not really knowing what's out there for them. You know, a lot of people don't know what you could do. You know, you could, you could mm -hmm. go to school and, and get a, you know, go to school for journalism and become one of these newscasters or, or somebody that's published and, you know, the best-selling magazines and things of that nature like it could be done man and i know you you're gonna do great things with this man so the podcast is dope and i definitely wish you a lot of success on all your endeavors man thank you very much for sure excited excited to get into this that's that's episode one definitely man appreciate y'all man make sure y'all follow me on instagram if y'all on instagram at aaron shakur 856 um my YouTube, Aaron Shakur. Make sure y'all subscribe. And like I said, I got the new project coming this December. It's untitled. It's to be determined. <laughs> and we're going to kick it off like that, man. Episode one. Keep it locked. One. This is 2BD Podcast. Yeah. Aaron Shakur. Thank you very much. Oh, that shit was dope, man. I like it.